Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy. Actually joined by Greg Barnes and Jason Staples, Louisville, Saturday at noon in Keenan Stadium. And Jason, I'm just going to get right to it. We've talked about Louisville plenty over the last couple of years with a kid named Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. Jason, how does North Carolina defend the reigning Heisman Trophy winner? Well, I think the first thing starts with uh, making sure that you've been living right in the off season, and then you know you you make sure that you're you're praying you're prayed up uh, through the week and uh, you prepare the best you can. But you know, the, with with a guy like Jackson, he's gonna get he's going to make some, he's going to make some of his plays. There's just, you're you're hoping to slow him down enough that they don't just run away with things because I mean, if he gets rolling enough, I mean, all you have to do is look at a few of the uh, apocalyptic offensive performances they had against, against some good defenses last year. I mean, heck what they score 63 against Florida state. I mean, yeah, Derwin James was not in that game, but come on, (laughs) you know, if he gets rolling, you're in real trouble. So the first thing is to try to do enough that makes him have to think a little bit, that slows his process down just a little bit so that he can't just sit back there and choose whether he wants to sling it or whether he wants to run. You've got to vary things enough to make him think. That's one thing. And that's something that late in the year last year, teams were able to do. Teams were able to find ways to bring rushers from different spots and often not rushing more than four, sometimes five, not really bringing a whole lot of, of, of bodies, but bringing them from different places and creating pressure while still keeping guys back in coverage and, and you know, a couple guys there in case he breaks the pocket. But that's the biggest thing is you've got to find ways to try to slow him down in terms of his mental processing first while getting some bodies after him in the backfield, you got to get some pressure on him. But the real dangerous thing is if you do pressure him, you can't get too far upfield or he's going to gash you. So this is the, the, I, the mantra for the defensive line this week has to be, you have to be disciplined with your rush lanes. Stay in your rush lanes. Stay in your rush lanes. You, you have to be very careful about that because if he does break that down, second-level defenders, usually you can count on a safety being able to run down a quarterback. That, that's just not the case with Lamar Jackson. Jason, on the flip side of the ball, North Carolina ran for, let's see, 18 of the first 22 snaps against California were rushes. And they were successful. They rushed for 219 yards, three touchdowns. But it was pretty clear that their game plan going in was to be able to, to run the ball, to take pressure off the, the quarterbacks, to you know, not force them not to throw the ball too terribly much. And, and it worked to some extent, you add in the, the turnovers and then some of the defensive lapses, and that's what led to the to the loss. But when you look at what Louisville has been able to do over the last 14 games, so dating back to the beginning of last year, with run defense, 
they have been incredibly effective. They were top 10 in the nation last year in yards per rush allowed. They did a really good job against Purdue last weekend. Uh, Average the Boilermakers held them to 2.4 yards per rush. So that seems like a bad matchup for North Carolina because the last thing you would think they want to do is is force a guy like Chaz Surratt, who likely is going to get a start, to make him throw the ball. And that's exactly what Louisville wants to do by taking away the rush. How does North Carolina counter that? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the first thing for me whenever I'm thinking about how to protect a young quarterback or a quarterback that's maybe not as comfortable in the system, the first thing to me, and it, it's counterintuitive, but you've got to throw on first down. You have to be able, especially off play action, you have to be able to throw when the defense has to play honest. You've got to be able to throw the football when the defense is playing the run. So first and 10, second and five, second and four, these are passing downs for North Carolina. And to me, you, you have to almost flip the way you call a game for this kind of quarterback. When you have Mitch Trubisky, you can, or Mitchell Trubisky, when you have Mitch Trubisky, you can, uh, you can, you can count on third and nine, third and 10. I can drop back and I know that guy's not just going to throw it to the other team. I know that guy's going to put it in a position where I have a really good chance of getting third and long. But if I don't have a Trubisky, you almost have to call it backwards. Throw on first down. If you don't get a completion there, or if you get a completion short of the sticks, then you're then second down as you're running down. And then if it's third and long, you're probably running the football because you don't want to put, you know, your your young quarterback or your inexperienced quarterback, your less trustworthy quarterback in that third and long position where the other team can really get after him, rush the passer and maybe scheme something exotic up in the, in the secondary, which may result in something negative for the offense. So I think that's the first thing, is if you're going to protect your young quarterback, and, and especially against a team that stops the run really well, you need to be able to throw it on first down. You need to be able to throw it on neutral downs, you know, your second and five, second, you know, second and four type, type situation to protect those guys. And that also helps them get into some rhythm because you can throw short, you can throw long, you can throw intermediate on all of those downs. Whereas on, you know, passing downs, they know what you need to get. They know where you, where you're going to going to be going if you're throwing the football and that gets more dangerous. So run on, run on passing downs and throw on neutral downs to me is, is really the first place to start there. Jason, do you think that Larry Fedora and Heckendorf and the offensive staff have a different game plan Playing a team like Louisville, knowing that a guy like Jackson's going to get points and yards, that he might not, Fedora might not be able to rely on the defense to keep them in check. Do you think that changes their game plan at all, even with Chas Surratt out there? You know, a couple of years ago, I would have said probably not, you know, because it, Fedora was talking a lot of, in those days about how they, they, you know, they wanted to run a certain amount of offensive plays. And, you know, they, I think to some degree at times, favored really pushing things in favor of the offense to where the defense was out there too long and it, and it hurt him a little bit. And I think the last couple of years, Fedora has come more around to, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give up a little bit on offense here to gain more than that defensively. So yeah, I, I do think that there's been some growth there in the staff and how they approach things. And I expect them to at least consider, you know, do we really want to go out and push the tempo on this next drive when, you know, if we go three and out or if we go, if, we're, if we don't have a, a quality drive here, the guy that's running out there is Lamar Jackson on the, on the other side with weapons. So, so yeah, I, I do expect them to take it a little bit differently. 
Greg, I'll ask you just back to Lamar Jackson a little bit, and I don't want to belabor the point because we'll get into plenty other weapons for Louisville, but and this is for both of you, but Greg, first, if if you're defending Jackson as North Carolina's staff, would you prefer to have him throw the football or would you want to put pressure on him and make him lo- use his legs? I would think the easy answer is if he sat back there in the pocket and, and threw it around, I like my chances better than I do <laughs> if he's running all over the field. It's got to be the easy answer, right, Greg? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons that you saw Logan Bird um, as the Lamar Jackson simulator in practice, if you will, because they understand that if he's a guy that gets loose running the ball, you're in trouble. And so really what they want to focus on, as as Jason said, you you got to hold to your rush lanes. You, you, you've got to be disciplined. It was It's very much like a, a Georgia Tech game week in terms of how the coaches talked. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to be responsible for your gaps because if you get out of position, he will make you look like a fool. That's exactly <laughs> what Larry Fedora said. Um, he's got that kind of talent. And so they know that going in. They, they have to contain, contain, contain. And so at that point, it says, okay, now he also can throw the ball because the big storyline this offseason for Louisville is that last year, a lot of Louisville's pass, pass plays were big passes down the field for these huge gains. Well, what Petrina really worked on with Lamar this offseason was getting better on some of the intermediate routes so that he doesn't have to make these long, deep throws or they're not stuck on like a third and 10. They can actually be productive with his progressions, make good reads, so that he's more of a a complete quarterback. That's kind of the goal, and that's that's what they've really worked on. And Fedora said you can kind of see that in that Purdue game. He made some really good throws late in that game uh, to kind of rally them a little bit. And it's interesting because Larry Fedora has talked about this. All kinds of spread spread quarterback coaches and and offensive coordinators have talked about this, and then defensive coordinators have talked about it as well. Whenever you have read options, right, in those types of plays, for the most part, you want the quarterback to keep the ball. Because (laughs) typically, (laughs) that's right. Typically, the quarterback is not as dynamic a runner as the running back, and it gives you the opportunity to hit the quarterback more. That's why Fedora said he he typically always wants his quarterback to hand the ball off in those situations, and that's one of the reasons he doesn't like running read option too much with some of his quarterbacks. But it's the exact opposite here. And I was talking with Cole Holcomb about it, and Cole said, you know, Lamar, you don't want to give him a good read, but at the same time, he doesn't care if he has a good read because he's going to take the ball and tuck it and run anyway. And so it's it's really kind of a a catch-22 with how you defend him. I mean, the guy's averaged about 400 yards of total offense over the last year. I um, mean, if you really look at everybody kind of points to, well, they, they fell off at the end of the year. That's how you take advantage of them. If you look at those three losses at the end of the year, to Houston, to Kentucky, and LSU, Houston and LSU combined for 19 sacks. They got after Lamar. They did a very good job a lot of times with just four rushers and they were able to get to him, and uh, he made some poor decisions at times, but they were able to, to account for that. Kentucky, you know, Louisville scored 38 points in that game. Kentucky averaged 21 yards per completion, and that's how they pulled that upset. So I, I think you're looking at a very difficult situation where North Carolina uh, has to be very good offensively 
and they have to be very good defensively uh, to be able to win this game. Jason, I would. I used to think, uh, yeah, you let him throw the ball. North Carolina's got pretty solid pass defense. The back seven's fairly strong. But after the Cal game, it's kind of questionable. So if you're scheming for them, and I'm not talking about keeping them in the pocket and not rushing to. I mean, I'm talking about all over the field. How do you do it? Because Louisville's got receivers that can play and, and cause damage. You can't focus 100% on Lamar Jackson. So how does the back end defend Louisville? I, I think the main thing is you have to, you have to play Lamar Jackson as a, as a true passing quarterback in the secondary. And that's what makes him so difficult. You can't treat him differently, you know, different from any other top line, a level elite level quarterback, you know, as a passer. You have to cover just like you did against against Cal. Not much changes there. The fundamentals are really the same there. The only thing you might do, I think, a little bit more against a guy like Jackson, and what I would do a good bit, is go to some single high safety stuff. So cover three, cover one type stuff to try to take away. The guy throws one of the prettiest and best post pattern, you know, deep posts in the game. And that's something that uh, Petrino has always done a great job scheming. He always seems to find a way to get once or twice a game, one of his receivers running just absolutely naked, nobody around him down the middle of the field. And Jackson hits that, you know, he's money on that throw. I want to take that away with a deep safety who's going to stay at home and stay deep and be my center fielder. So to me, Miles Dorn stick him in the middle of the field, tell him to stay deep and make sure that nothing, nothing happens behind him. That's number one. And then number two, that allows me to pull that other safety up and play him in that intermediate area and allow, allow Miles to shadow or spy a little bit, to play a little robber. Because to me, I, I think Jackson throws it better in the middle of the field, which is unusual, by the way. It tells you something about his quality as a quarterback. I think he throws a little better in the middle of the field than he does toward the edges. The, the loose throws that he tends to have are down, are down the edges outside the numbers. And he's got fewer of them than he did as a freshman. But I want to challenge him to beat me in that intermediate area and, and to beat me over the top. If he's going to beat me over the top, beat me outside the numbers there. Use the sideline as my friend and try to go single high safety more bring that extra safety down so that I can have a little bit of support against the, against the run and against the read option stuff and, and some of the scrambles while maintaining that, that depth against the big play. Because the, the thing I want him to do is not just to beat me with his arm, but I want him to have to beat me with his arm on all sorts of short stuff and intermediate stuff. And if he cuts me to ribbons and that stuff, when I'm making sure nothing's going to beat me over that deep middle, then you know what? I tip my cap and I say, yep, well, he is the Heisman Trophy winner for a reason but I'm not going to let him do the things that he does best and most easily. And that's first of all, break contain and start running all over the place. So I want to make sure that I keep, I keep my edges. I want to make sure that I've got guys in position so that when he does get some yardage, he's not going to just be running free. And I want to make sure he can't just beat me over the top on some deep throws down the middle. So to me, that that's really, you always want a guy to beat you left-handed. Well, at least if he's right-handed, you want him to beat you left-handed. And to me, trying to take that stuff away is, is going to at least force him to, do, to move to his secondary stuff rather than the primary stuff where he really wants to beat you. 
Greg, that sounds like a similar game plan that Carolina's had with maybe Miami in the past where Trey Boston or whatever safety it was, it might have been uh, Goddard or some of those guys a couple a few years ago down there where they're just deeper than the deepest. And they've had some success with that. So can they accomplish that goal in a game like this, you think? That That's a great question. I, I think kind of the – what I'm what I'm curious about seeing is you know everything Jason said it sounds sounds right and everything that you know, John Papuch has talked about this week of practice it sounds right, <laughs> uh, but in but in terms of the you know, what's the actual strategy are are you trying desperately to to get after Lamar and, and have the success that maybe some of those teams had last year and, and if you do are you exposing yourself and I'm I'm curious because for two years this defense has been about not giving up the big play. But now Papuch has all offseason talked about, hey, we're going to try to get after the quarterback a little bit more. He expressed disappointment in his front four's uh, inability to get pressure on Ross Bowers last week in the Cal game. So I'm very curious. Does he go back and say, you know what? Even though we want to be more aggressive this year, this is the type of game where we're just going to sit back and we're okay giving up 10-yard chunks in front of us. We're going to make them do it all the way down the field. Or do you be more aggressive and you try to take away some of these things and try to make Louisville play from behind the chains, knowing that you know the potential is there for big plays down the field, as we saw against you know California last weekend. So to me, it's kind of an identity question of what exactly <laughs> are they going to try to do? And I'm, I'm sure Papuchas has a plan, but exactly what that is, is is fascinating to me. Yeah, I think you make Louisville run as many plays as possible. and hope or try to force a mistake in there because an 80-yard run from Jackson or an 80-yard pass to Jalen Samuels doesn't it's not that difficult to accomplish those so I think Carolina I think this is a game I'll, I'll say I believe that they should be more preventative than they have been certainly against Cal and Jason your story and I want to move the offense after this question but your story of breaking down the state game where the more they blitzed, the worse they did, seemed to be <laughs> the same thing last week against Cal. Um, so I think if this if there's ever a game to back down from it, that this one's it, right? I actually think that there's a middle way here to some degree. And 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 again, the 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 point that well, this sounds right is is exactly right in the sense that you know I'm always reminded of the uh, of the uh, old Customato saying. Everybody has a plan until he gets hit, right? Everybody has a plan and it sounds right until you actually have to do it against Lamar Jackson. But I think there is a middle way here that is, is sort of the approach that we saw from Todd Orlando. And they run a little different defense at, at Houston, or they ran a little different defense at Houston with Orlando there last year than what, uh, than what Carolina runs in, that they, they run more of a, a, an odd front base, a 3-4 type, type base or a 3-3-5. Three, three, they they did a lot of fire zone stuff and and again fire zone stuff allows you to keep that one deep safety the, the deep center fielder and through you know basically you're playing a cover three while bringing five that's what a fire zone is and you can bring that fifth guy from all sorts of places and and to me if i'm game planning this i find about 15 16 different ways to run some sort of fire zone 
because I want to get that extra guy in to, to again, I want to, uh, and I want him to have to identify who's coming. Like I said, early, earlier on, I want him to have to slow down and figure out where I'm coming from, what I'm, the, the more you can slow down his thought process, the better. You may not be able to trick him at this point in his career. I mean, he's pretty, he's gotten pretty good in terms of processing what he sees, but you want to slow him down just enough that maybe you can get a little pressure on him and keep him from being able to just, you know, break contain or do what, do what he does. So I want to bring that fifth rusher from, you know, multiple different spots. You know, when I'm rotating that safety down, maybe Donnie Miles is my blitzer, right? You know, maybe I bring one of the linebackers. Maybe I bring two linebackers and drop one of my ends. There's any number of things that I'm going to do to try to get that fifth guy in there. And it doesn't really change my run fits against the read option or whatever. I'm still, and I'm also still attacking him rather than the back first and foremost on that stuff. But it allows me to be aggressive up front in terms of bringing some pressure with that fifth guy while still being pretty conservative on the back end and, and telling those, the, the three deep coverage guys, just make sure that if they catch it, they're going to catch it in front of you. And he may kill you with it all night or all, I guess all, all afternoon. He may kill you with it all afternoon. But you know, my, my view is I, I'm not going to just let him sit back there because you know he's he's going to torch you to doing that and I don't want him to I don't want to bring the house I don't want to bring a bunch of pressure because like you said that's just asking for you know 80 yard plays and that's that's not going to work I think trying to find that that balance of the of the fire zone type stuff is probably where I'd go It'll be fun to watch we'll see if you're right uh, to your credit you usually are let's uh Greg let me ask you about the offense you mentioned Chaz Surratt earlier he'll likely get the start uh, talk about that a little bit, and maybe any other differences that Carolina may show on Saturday. I think Roscoe Johnson looked good in limited time. Maybe he gets some more time. I think the bottom line is, along with Chas Rat, the running game looks okay. The the receivers have to produce more. What have they done, or what have you heard around the program this week, hinting that maybe that's been an emphasis? Well, it's definitely been an emphasis, and Larry Fedora has talked about it quite a bit. And just saying, you know, with, with some of the younger guys, you know, maybe a Daz Newsome or a Roscoe Johnson or Bo Corrales or even an Anthony Ratliff-Williams, some of the younger guys in the program, kind of at a point now where they can run a route perfect, exactly as you draw it up. But that's a very easy part of being a wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> you've got to actually be able to read coverages and, and read leverages with the defender and all these sorts of things. Uh, and that's that's kind of where they want them to get. And Larry Fedora mentioned, he, he said the word dependability uh, in talking about, you know, why Daz Newsom didn't play in week one. But if, if that game film really shows you anything, I mean, we're talking about an offense that averaged five yards per attempt. When you look at what Larry Fedora has done at UNC, that never happens. I mean, you, you have to look at the hurricane game last year, and I think it was maybe one other game where the, the offense really struggled to even get anywhere close to that number. Um, and so you know, part of that is the conservative game plan. But part of that, too, is the wide receivers have to provide some options. And we know what Austin Prohl is going to do. He's a good route runner, but he's not an explosive guy. And so I, I kind of think they have to try some of these guys out. I mean, you would like to have Toe Groves. He's out. So going to be out for a couple more weeks. So is Newsom a guy? We heard a lot about him in the preseason. We heard a lot about Corrales. As you mentioned, Roscoe Johnson shows some flash. 
So maybe go with some of those younger guys and see if they can give you a pop because they're going to need it. And also think we heard so much about the tight ends. We didn't see them a whole lot last week. And I know there was the one play where Brandon Fritz was upset because he didn't get the ball thrown his way. They're going to have to take the training wheels off of Chaz Stratt to some extent. That's still going to be a work in progress. Uh, but they're going to have to allow him to have some more options down the field to make some big plays because Louisville's going to have big plays like we've been talking about. Lamar Jackson is going to make things happen. So North Carolina has to be able to match that without committing turnovers, which which shot them in the, in the foot a little bit last week. Jason, your game plan for Carolina, I agree with Greg. Chaz Surratt, they've got to open up the playbook. They've got to get some explosive plays or at least attempt some, especially down the field. How do you see Carolina accomplishing that? I mean, the one thing I thought Surratt did, I liked how he stood in the pocket. And he stood tall in the pocket against California, but he appeared to be looking at the same guy or at least the same side of the field when he was doing that. How do you expand that playbook if he's got that issue and how much does that issue um, get better from game one to game two? Well, I think the first thing is that you don't necessarily try to expand the playbook. I think what you do is you, you, you try to locate what shot plays you might be able to get you. So you, what, what ends up happening. So with Trubisky, when you've got a Trubisky, you can go out there and you can say, okay, we're going to run five different options on this play, two different guys, or one, one guy is going to go deep and we're going to read the coverage before the snap. Now you're going to read this side of the field. If you see this, and you know, if this is what you see, then you're going to take that deep ball and go, you can do that. And they have that still in the playbook. I mean, that's how this is going to work, but with a younger guy, he may not he may not be quite ready to take to take that shot on on some of those plays what you have to do sometimes with a younger guy is you say okay it's first and 10 you know we got the ball on the on the 35 yard line first and 10 first play of the drive we're going to go play action here and we're going to send you know this uh post dig combination on from one side and we're going to have you read that safety and if that safety is in this position we want you to throw it because we saw this on film. Here's how they react to it. We want you to throw that ball. I just want you looking at that safety. And if he doesn't do that, then you check down to here. And so you, you or, you know, okay, we're going to motion this guy out to get them to adjust their coverage here. And hopefully we can get this wheel back here. And that's what we're looking for. So you make sure that there's, you know, a few shot plays that you scheme in that you say this, we're going to really be looking for this deep ball, son. And I want you to, you know, pay attention. You got your one read here. And then you come down so you can do some of that stuff. And it's not really expanding. It's just making sure that you, that you put yourself in position where that, that, that kid is encouraged to take the shot here and there. Now that means you have to have the field position to do it. It means you have to be running it well enough for the play action to, to, to matter. There's some other factors in play here, but, and the same is true for Brandon Harris as well. I mean, if, if you're, if he's having some difficulties, you know, putting the ball uh, or, or reading the field as, as well. And he, he had a, a couple where he didn't see underneath coverage this last week. There are a couple others where I thought he did fine in terms of seeing his, seeing his reads and checking down and all that. But you still want to, you still want to say, okay, so we're going to scheme this. This is something we see in the way they rotate their coverages or whatever. And we're going to try to scheme this deep ball. Maybe you can scheme a couple. Uh, and that's something, you know, that's a place where a guy like Lane Kiffin is really, really good. 
Uh, there were other things that, that I had issues with in terms, or I still have issues with in terms of Kiffin in his overall schematic approach, but the man does do a great job of scheming up two or three shot plays every week. And uh, Petrino does a great job scheming up. Like I said uh, previously, he does a great job scheming up a, a, a wide open post route or two every game. He does a good job scheming that. And you just got to find a way to, to, to get one or two of those and then hope the kid takes advantage of it. Uh, but I don't think you really want to expand the playbook as much as just continue repping the stuff that's your bread and butter. Make sure that that that, that he knows how to how to go through his proper uh, proper coverage reads and his and his progressions on that stuff, and then have two or three shot plays ready for when the when the time allows. I think that's the main thing. And they had one of those shot plays, by the way, against uh, against Cal for Brandon Harris. And he put an on-the-money throw. I mean, it wasn't the best throw in the world, but it was an on-the-money throw. And Anthony Ratliff-Williams just decided not to run through the spot in the ball. I mean, he, he started backing up and, and didn't, didn't play good fundamental wide receiver position. And you wound up with nothing instead of, uh, instead of a touchdown there. And that, uh, that, that's a big deal. You can't come up empty on those shot plays where that's one. They, they schemed that really, really well for what, what Cal likes to do or what, uh, what Cal was showing there and uh, should have been a score. Greg, give me a guy or two on offense that you think we might see or hear from this week that maybe we didn't last week. Well, I mean, the wide receivers we talked about, I think you're going to see some new faces there. I think that's critical. Daz Newsom, I think, is a guy they desperately need, especially over the middle. Uh, as, as kind of a, a quick option. Uh, and then, you know, the, the tight ends again. So, I mean, guys we really already talked about, those, those are the main ones. I am interested to see if Bentley Spain is going to play. Uh, I know he's listed as questionable, but I think that changes the dynamic of the offensive line, which impacts everybody if he's not able to go with that broken right hand. So that'll be a critical component. And then the other thing is, quarterback-wise, we know we're going to see more Chaz Surratt than we saw last week. How much more? You know, How much does Brandon Harris get into the game? Uh, I would assume it's still going to be a legitimate rotation. But you know, during the game last week, uh, Jason and I were talking, and it just seemed like the offense had a little bit of an extra boost when, when Chaz was out there. And so does that offset some of the other stuff, some of the youth and inexperience that he has? And is that something that you know, prompts the offensive coaching staff to, to go with them a little bit more? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but you know he he clearly won the the day last week, and how much he actually kind of controls the offense this week will be something that I'm looking to to see. Yeah, we'll talk a lot more Saturday at the WCHO live show about it and about all of this. But I'm gonna move straight to predictions, and I'm gonna flat out say that we sucked last week <laughs> as a group. <laughs> now, wait a minute, I got the score exactly right. Right? Did you really? Yes, he did. It just happened so. to be inverted. Just inverted, yeah. <laughs> I did say it was opposite day last week. So, right. yeah, that's, right. that's what you meant. Yeah, so, and he was, he was keeping that in mind, I believe, when he made that prediction. So, let's give the man his credit. Let's give the man his due. <laughs> well, I, I will give you credit, but I did go back and listen to the Cal preview show with uh, Nick Kranz from Cal Blogs, and your score was completely different on that one. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> so if you name enough Covered numbers, eventually you'll hit on. All yeah, right. The so, idea is to give different scores throughout the week. So if you actually get one of them right, 
Yeah, it's like buying multiple lottery tickets. Maybe exactly. you can hit one of them. So <laughs> let's uh, let's turn to this prediction stuff. Last week, zero and four. Everybody lost. Of course, I don't think anybody will fault us for our pick of Carolina over California. But Jason, I'm gonna go to you first. Give me your prediction and maybe just a one or two minute synopsis of how you think it all goes down. I don't think anybody is gonna gonna fault me necessarily for saying that I think Louisville should win this ball game. I expect them to win this ball game. Obviously, they they played a closer game than expected against Purdue last week, but uh, I think they'll have the opportunity to to get some things fixed there. And I think this is, in a lot of ways, a bad matchup for North Carolina uh, with basically Lamar Jackson and a, and a very powerful offense coming in that isn't isn't the type of offense that I think North Carolina wants to face at this fa- at this stage of the year. I think Jackson gets his gets his yardage. I think he probably goes well over 300 on, on in the, in the passing game and probably in the neighborhood of 100 rushing yards as well. I, I think I think he's going to he's going to get his his stats. I think they'll do a, a relatively good job of of limiting his rushing yardage. I mean, I don't think he's going to run wild, but uh I think he winds up throwing the ball pretty darn well and that basically that basically is is going to be the ball game. I think Carolina probably does score some points against that defense, but you know, maybe in the same same range as as Purdue. Purdue scored twenty eight. I think Carolina is going to score somewhere in the twenties, you know, mid to high twenties. So, I'll say uh, Louisville is going to win this. Uh, say thirty thirty eight to twenty four. And uh, like I said, I just think Jackson's a tough matchup. I think he's going to be able to to make the necessary throws in the passing game to to get the scores they need. And I don't think Carolina's quarterback and passing game situation is quite good enough yet to be able to threaten the Louisville defense downfield the way that they need to, to be able to run it as efficiently as they did against Cal. More than likely you get another mistake here or there from, from some inexperience. And, and I think that that's the ball game. Don't disagree there, Greg, your choice. And one minute to explain your pick since Jason ate up four. Well, I'll redo <laughs> it then. Dang it. <laughs> no, I'm fine. We'll let it ride. I'm dismissing you. I think it's hard to hard to disagree with anything Jason said, and I think the key point is he said this is a bad matchup. And when I look over the past year at where teams have had success against Louisville, it's by having a strong defensive front that can get after the quarterback. North Carolina has yet to prove that they have that, and then they've had success throwing the ball against Louisville. And North Carolina that was not the strength last week for that to be the strength for North Carolina this quickly with a young quarterback and even with a experienced guy like Brandon Harris, who just hasn't played much in this offense. I think that's asking a lot. And so when you kind of put those two together, neither of those work in North Carolina's favor. Uh, I had actually written down 38, 24. So I'm a little (laughs) bit upset that staples went that way. So I'm going to change it just, just to have a little bit of differentiation. I'm going to say 41-27 Louisville. Good stuff, guys. Two L's for North Carolina on there. Can't disagree. I think that what a fun game this would have been with this year's Louisville team versus last year's North Carolina team. I think you would have seen a Texas Tech-Oklahoma State-style 65-60 shootout. Um, But I'm going to save my prediction for the WCHL live show. So I've got y'all locked in here. Jason, Greg, it's always fun. Jason, I love giving you a hard time, but I do love listening to you break it down. 
Guys, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Tommy. It's fun. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.